Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Y'all, before we get into this episode of Small Doses Podcast, it is here in Amanda We Trust, my independently produced political comedy documentary. I can't even believe it is finally out here in the world. All you got to do is go to inamandawetrust.com and you can check it out. You can support your girl, all right? I did this from the heart and also from my pockets. So when you are supporting, you are not just supporting art, but you are also supporting me creating more stuff that can also help to serve us as the people while also serving my creative love, okay? So if you haven't checked out Trust yet, then you know what to do. Go to inamandawetrust.com. And if you haven't checked it out yet, then hopefully this episode will make you say, dang, I need to get my butt over there. So make sure you do that. And if you subscribe to our Patreon, you are also going to get bonus clips and other content associated with this special, exciting venture that we have undertaken. I'm so proud of this god dang thing. It's like really kind of a new feeling. Uh, but I'm really, really, really happy to be able to share this with you all. So make sure you go to inamandawetrust.com. All right. In the meantime, in between time, remember, you can also subscribe to our YouTube, Amanda Seals TV, so that you can make sure that you're also getting the visuals that go with these podcast episodes. And let me tell you, it's a different experience. It's a different experience. So make sure you go over to Amanda Seals TV and subscribe. All right. That's how it's going to go down. We're about to get into this episode. I'm going to tell you all about the ins, the outs, the ups and the downs of creating and Amanda we trust. Small doses. Self-help from the hip. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy Seals. It's so funky. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Small Doses Podcast. This week's episode is dedicated to my unapologetic political comedy documentary in Amanda we Trust. Now, we're going to talk about a couple, not a couple, we're going to talk about a few different things. But one thing I want to mention at the top of this is the frustration I have that so often in my life, I am unable to celebrate the fruits of my labor because the people closest to me are failing in their support. And I'm saying this not to garner sympathy, but more so because I know that I'm like not alone in that, but it makes it very important to enjoy the process because if you bank everything on just the outcome, it really puts you in a jam. If the factors outside of your control, AKA people jam you up once you get to that part of the process. And I will say that at the time of me recording this podcast, I literally feel so emotionally fucked up that I want to throw up. Like I physically feel ill. I just put another pillow behind my back because my lower back holds my stress. And I hope that by the time this airs, I feel better. And if you are feeling the same as me right now, I hope that by the time this airs, 
you feel better too. Because it is the ebb and flow of life. I understand. I am at peace with that. It is just what is given to you. You are, I mean, y'all know I'm not Christian, but I know that it's the whole, like, you know, you're not giving more than you can handle. I actually don't agree with that. I think quite often you're giving more than you can handle. <laughs> um, I think it is in that time that you either figure out how to be better at handling things. You know, that's when you get more coping mechanisms and you also become better at hopefully learning how to identify that which you cannot handle. And I hope that you also become really Bob the Buildery on them boundaries. Because your girl is doing all those things. And we have spent 200 and what, 70 some odd episodes of this podcast teaching and speaking and thinking about how to do all of those things. And in many cases, in relation to being a creative, because the thing about being a creative is I don't get to just go to work and then do the work and then shut it off. I got to do the work. Then I got to talk about the work. I got to sell the work. I got to adjust the work, et cetera. And all of that has to happen from a very intrinsically personal place. So when your personal is very intrinsically discombobulated, it can be difficult. Nonetheless, we persist and we flow. One of the biggest reasons why this experience of making in Amanda We Trust was so positive was because it was the first time that I've ever trusted my knowledge of how to make something so innately that it allowed me to very intrinsically flow. And that is not something that's easy for a lot of us. It's not necessarily easy for me, right? Like, I I mean, I think, you know, we all question ourselves and we make a decision and we're like, oh, should I go back on the decision? Oh, I don't know if that's going to work. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ching, ching, what, what, bang, bang. Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ching, ching, what, what, bang, bang. You know what I mean? It's just, it's all of this. But over the practice of doing things, you gain confidence. And I have always said that confidence is really just fact-based data of what you have proven to yourself. And I got to have the opportunity to exhibit a certain level of confidence in this process that has really served me and I feel like the people I worked with very well because I didn't have any pressure also on this project and that was by design. I removed the pressure when I decided to change the direction of the project. We got a lot of ins in this project. So let's start with Inception. No, I'm not referring to Leonardo. So the inception of this project was me deciding that, okay, the pandemic is a bit over and I need to be like making something. I need to be doing something. I need to be out here. I need to be you know, just really like getting back on the good foot. I didn't do stand up for two years. My last special came out in 2019 and I was on tour for like six months of last year. And so I really felt like, okay, it's time. It's time for you to like get back in the mix. It's time for people to be reminded of like what you do with these jokes. It's time for you to also, you know, be amongst your peer group again. And so I had this, you know, this very uh, immense feeling of like, okay, we're going to get it. We're going to get cracking. We're going to get focused. And I proceeded and I hit up Jesse Collins, who is 
the executive producer that uh, did my, hold on one second, this is bothering me. Sorry, guys. If you're listening, there was a little baby seal that had fallen and it just felt forlorn and I had to reset it. If you want to know what I was doing, you can watch the episode on YouTube at Amanda Seals TV. We would love your subscribers. It would actually make me feel really good. Nonetheless, I digress. So I had decided I was going to do this and I hit up Jesse Collins. Jesse Collins is, you know, he executive produces the Grammys and the Oscars and the Super Bowl. He's also my very, very dear friend. And he executive produced my special I'd Be Knowing. And in him being my very, very dear friend, he was like, let's do it. When are we doing it? And you know that I'm not in a good place because I'm wearing red lipstick with a pink and white blazer. I'm just seeing this on the monitor. Jeremiah, why you didn't tell me? Pink and red match. I mean, they can. But in this situation, I feel like I'm really pushing it. Mm. All right. Again, you want to see it? <laughs> you know where to be it. So, anywho, I, I hit up Jesse. He was enthusiastic. And he was like, you know, we should do this in a way that we wouldn't have been able to do it if we were doing it with a studio. Actually, let me let me go back. <laughs> let me go back, baby. Let me go back. <sighs> let me see you go back. I had actually spoken to my agent. And my agent went around town looking for you know, kind of like who wanted to do my next special. And they was not fucking with your girl, okay? Mm-hmm. They was not fucking with your girl. And I'm not going to take that personal, but it was very like, yeah, we're doing this already, so we can't. Or yeah, we already got these from these people, so we can't. Or yeah, we could do it, but we're going to pay you 225 cents to do it. And it was like, I just don't see the feasibility of me doing this in this fashion. Like, it just feels like it's not really like the best way to go about things. And it was like, when it came down to it, and this is why I love my agent, shout out to Matt Horowitz. He was just like, listen, if you have the means to do it yourself, I think you should. I think we've stepped into a new era. And I think that ultimately you as a creative work best when you are unfettered. And unless the money is going to be worth it, the creative freedom is going to be worth it. And let, this, let me just side note to anyone who's listening and looking to be in this business or you know who's looking sideways at their agents. Your agents, in my opinion, or anyone who is working with you creatively in a business setting should always advise you based on your creativity and the commerce, not just the commerce. I've had agents in the past who their only way of advising was based on the market and the game. And if I had listened to them, I would have been in a different place right now and I'm not a positive place. And so I'm very fortunate to have agents who very genuinely see me and understand me and know what I'm about and also know this business and can advise me based on how those two things intersect. There's another I-N word. I'm sure Brendan just put a ding. So that being said... I was like, okay, I'm going to take his advice. And I moved forward on like, okay, I'm going to call Jesse. Jesse and I, we're, we're brainstorming. He's like, let's do something different. Maybe we do some interstitials. Maybe make it like a mockumentary about, you know, you having to do this yourself. And 
I'm over here and I was like trying, this is since like January where I'm trying to like wrap my head around this. Like me and Jeremiah would be sitting here in this office, like just kind of throwing ideas around. You know what I'm saying? I'd be talking to my different friends. I'm talking to James Bland. We'll get to him later. I'm talking to James Bland and me and James are just family. So like, we'll just catch up. And in our catch up, we talk about creative ideas, et cetera. And I was just not hitting it. And you know, that's the thing for me. I will tell you, I know one thing about me artistically. And that's that when I like an idea, it flows. I don't have struggle with it. That's everything in life, honestly. But when it comes to creative, it's much very clearer for me where it's like, this just isn't requiring any real duress. It's just it, it, it like, the synapse is is firing. So it wasn't happening. Then it was March. And Jesse was like, yeah, we can shoot it in May. And I'm like, it's March. How are we shooting it in May? Where are we shooting it? What, what, what day are we shooting it? Where are we shooting it? We're like, what do you mean? And shout out to Jesse Collins. You can hear him and his partner, Dion, well, his fiance now, Dion Harmon on Side Effects of the BET Awards because they also produced the BET Awards 2020 when I hosted. And, you know, Jesse in his heart, in his heart, Jesse's like, let's do it. But in his schedule, it's like, where? <laughs> where? So I had to really be the adult in this situation and say, you know what, Jesse? I just don't, I don't think we can do it. Just a side note. I don't know about y'all, but like, have you ever been in a situation where you're like depressed and so you have no appetite, but you're hungry? I don't know how to explain that. Right now, my body is like, do you plan on eating? And my mouth is like, I mean, what? What, what, what? Hot tamales? Sour Patch Kids? Like, I don't have a taste for, like, actual food right now. Maybe I'll have some ice cream. But I digress. So Inception-wise, you know, there very much was this idea of, like, okay, I'm gonna have to figure out the path forward if I'm not going to work with Jesse. The other part of it is this, y'all. Even if I did work with Jesse, and even if Jesse did it at cost, which means that he would only charge me like the fees that are incurred, not his own personal fee. And then he would take a percentage of the actual profits. Even if he did that, which would have been incredibly generous, I'm not wealthy. When did you find out you weren't wealthy, Amanda? I found out I wasn't wealthy. Well, I mean, I find that out quite often. But I found that out because you get very, um, when you get just like a little bit of dollars, you start getting real ambitious. I know y'all know this, right? You know, we get a little bit of dollars and we're like, I'm going to go have a steak dinner. And then you realize that you're at the dinner looking at the menu prices like, ooh, that's when you realize like, oh, I don't got it like that. So like, that's one of those moments. I was on a vacation recently and realized like, oh, you're not wealthy because every meal feels like a negotiation with yourself. You know, you're also doing things like, all right, we'll have a late lunch and then have some snacks and so that we don't pay for dinner because every night dinner is 250 freaking dollars. No shrimp is that good. Okay. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I realized like, okay, even if I could possibly afford to film this, I wouldn't have the money to market it. You know, I wouldn't have any breathing room. But I think beyond that, it meant that I would be really crossing my fingers the whole time about the outcome in a way that would feel uncomfortable because you're just holding yourself to this money standard of like, well, I spent this money, so it better be good, it better be good, it better be good. And it's like, that's not, that's what these executives are doing, right? That's what these executives are doing that has the commerce messing up the creativity because their whole bottom line is about, did I waste money? Not about, did I make something good? And I don't want to put myself through that if I'm also independent. Like, and if I have the luxury of finding a way to do something where, yes, I'm spending my own money, but I'm not backing myself into a corner where I may have to get on the pole just to promote it, then like, let me try to do that. That feels like the smarter route. But this is what I mean by the intuition and the flow. I had to hear that within myself. I had to, I had to listen to that and not just let it come and, and swat it away. And it would have been easy to swat away if I had stuck to the problem that I had created in my mind, which was that I need to prove myself to people. And there was, I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all. Like there was a part of me that felt like I need to do something because I need to prove to people. I need to prove to people that I'm still a comic. I need to prove to people that I'm still valuable out here. Like I need to prove. And it's like, well, who are you proving to? Who are you proving to? Because for the most part, like your audience, like they just rock with you, you know, just as is, you know, they're going to rock with you in in an afro. They're going to rock with you with your twists. They're going to rock with you on a boat. They'll rock with you in a car. They'll rock with you wherever you are. So who are you trying to prove to? It was very emancipating to let that go. And to find myself saying, you know, I just need to make something I'm proud of. Like, that's the actual thing. Like, how can I make something I'm proud of? What if I back myself into it that way? And that changed the course. So I spoke to Jesse and he was like, I get it completely. And then I started really trying to ideate around like, what could I do? So I did a show at the Kennedy Center in 2022 and I had paid for footage to be shot and I was looking at the footage and it was really like solid footage, you know, like it wasn't janky and it was, it was good enough to say, hmm, maybe I could do something with this. So that set us off, that pivot set us off on a new course. What if I do a stand-up special from my Kendi Center footage, and we do some interstitials that are paired with it that maybe take place in DC or, you know, that chart a course in that way. So that was the next plan. But actually, rewind when I was talking to Jesse and we had decided we were gonna do this, he was like, I think you should do interstitials. Who should direct the interstitials? And I thought of only one person, and that is James Bland, who you can also hear on side effects of fuckboys from the first, like, 10 episodes. I think it's, like, episode four, probably. 
James Bland also directed the first season of my web series, Get Your Life. He's also an incredible director who directed his own Emmy award-winning web series, Giants, as well as uh, he directed the end of this series documentary for Insecure. He's also not a shabby actor either. He's also a writer and he's also one of my very best friends on the face of the planet. So I hit James. I told him my ideas with the interstitials from like before we had pivoted. And he was like, let's do it. But now I got to call James and tell him, okay, so now, <laughs> now Jesse's not going to be involved. It's, it's looking like we're going to do stand up from this footage. And yeah, I sent him the footage and he was like, okay, because he's also thinking, well, we just doing the interstitials. And the interstitials are essentially going to be you know, five of them at five minutes and they'll be, you know, sprinkled throughout the special. So he's like, that's where I'm going to put my focus. So I said, okay, I'm going to get this together. So me and Jeremiah, like Like the the Bible, Bible. who works as a producer currently for Smart, Funny and Black Productions, we sat and we just started ideating around like what could... The interstitials, another I-N word. What could the interstitials, you know, be about? And Jeremiah, was it my idea to make it around me running for office? I mean, I think there was like, yeah, like we're in D.C. And maybe it's like something about. But I feel like I had come up with the concept of. Well, I know Jeremiah came up with the title in Amanda We Trust. That I know for a fact. Jeremiah came up with in Amanda We Trust because we knew that. I want to say it went like this. I want to say it went, I should do something about like running for office. And you were like, yeah, and you can call it any man to be trust. <laughs> Does that feel right? <laughs> I feel like it went like that. And so then it became, all right, well, how do we like make that funny? And how do we make that informative? So in our original plan, I was going to be getting the makeover and we were going to have like Paul Wharton and the Miss America for D.C., But unfortunately, or Miss USA, Miss America or Miss USA for D.C., but unfortunately, due to her contract, she wasn't able to participate because this obviously is not going to be nonpartisan because if I'm going to be political, I'm going to be very clear on my politics. So that was that. So Paul Wharton, who is just one of the kindest people ever and is a style guru and is a D.C. native, honey, did not bat an eye at like, hey, would you want to do this? Absolutely. And I will give you ideas on what we can do. And I will also provide the set. I will also provide like, I mean, just abundance, abundance. Then we wanted to do a segment with the squad. So the original vision was like all of them, right? But unfortunately, you know, politicians like celebrities, yeah, okay. They got a comms director. The comms director not responding. You trying to reach them. The comms director just, you know, back and forth and changing things. And we got to do this, but we can't do that. Well, are you going to do this? Well, what kind of questions, et cetera, et cetera. And long story short, it went from five, four, three to two. Okay. okay. So we were able to lock in Jamal Bowman and Ilhan Omar, congressional representatives. And I'm going to give you like a a backstory about all this too. So that happened. Now, the third was that we were going to go and do Man on the Streets. And the original idea with Man on the Street was that we were going to ask people like if a certain thing happened, like who you going to call? Right. So that was like our original plan because we wanted to demonstrate that a lot of folks don't really know how to actually use their government. Then we had this idea that we were going to do an interstitial with April D. Ryan since she has been, you know, one of the uh, part of the press corps for the White House since, you know, forever. 
And she was the first black woman as part of the press corps for the White House, to my knowledge. So we wanted to do a segment called Full Court Press, where we would basically like mimic a press conference where she's like drilling me as like a president. Like it's like training where she's training me for like a presidential press conference. So these were the ideas, y'all. These are the ideas. And the thing about it is that when it comes to production, you have to be flexible. There's no way around it. You have to be flexible because you're working with other people. You're also working with the elements like of, you know, other venues, of the weather, of technology. So you just do yourself a service by just being more chill about the way things go. And I am not a chill person by any stretch of the imagination. I am a high strung person. I am a perfectionist. I want things to go the way that they're supposed to go. And so what you do is you surround yourself with people who are chill people. And they keep you just, you know, calm. So here we are. We have this old plan. Now we got to start reaching out to people to make this plan come to action. This is also the first time I've ever hired a line producer. So a line producer is the person who is managing the budget. Because we're indie, we had a split role. So it was a line producer slash production coordinator. And it allowed me to, for the first time, not be shouldered with so much of the business while I'm trying to be creative. And shout out to Trevor Jones for just taking us through this process and really becoming a source of information and knowledge just about a number of things. Because once I decided to do this and move forward with it, we were off to the races. But, you know, upon its completion, there was a strike. And I hit him and was like, is this going to be a problem? And... uh <laughs> He was very in the know. His wife is a writer and, uh, you know, just really like helped to provide some insight immediately. But when it came to the strike of things, you know, it's really important to address that like me making this in this time was my own decision to do because I wanted to make something. But it's, it somehow serendipitously speaks to the fact that so many of us at this point are only going to get to make something if we make it by ourselves or if we make it with an indie because, that is what we're striking about is that, you know, these networks, they are not fair in terms of how they're sharing profits around intellectual property. They're also not consistent in their hiring practices. And also, I mean, we have the AI of it all where they're like, well, even if you are some unique talent, we can just take that, you know, print it and copy paste it. And now we got that unique talent in our files. So your safety as like an intellectual creative is only preserved if you're making stuff by yourself as well. I mean, and even that's a little bit sketchy wedge because the internet is a breeding ground for, uh, let me hold that real quick. So I was also pushed to do this myself, y'all, because I've constantly been on a journey of trying to figure out how I can be as free as possible in the messaging that I feel like is consistently being sequestered and suppressed. Right. And then also, how can I be as free as possible, like as a black woman to just show up in my art without having to convince others that it is OK to show up like this or having to explain to others, you know, that, oh, no, this thing I said is actually not anti-Semitism. It is a black phrase. It is an AAV phrase. You know, like when we say they kill Jesus, what do they do to you? That is not anti-Semitism. That is an AAVE phrase saying if they going to take out and they is anyone. <laughs> okay. They is anyone. If this guy who's, who's supposed to be turning water into wine can be taken out. Imagine what can happen to you. That's a black phrase that is used all the time, by the way. 
but being able to exist in a creative space where those things are intrinsically understood is, oh my gosh, y'all, it's just incredibly freeing. Incredibly freeing. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So I was like, you know, I'm going to make something. And I'm so proud that my team also... When I, when I say my team, I mean like James, Jeremiah, Trevor, you know, that everybody seemed to corral behind the fact that like, yeah, like we're going to make this and it's going to require a little extra footwork, but we also don't got to answer to nobody. We can just take the, the bullshit as it comes and come up with what needs to happen next. And we don't have to get approval from anybody else. You know, that was, I don't know about you, Jeremiah, but that for me was 90% of the reason why this process was not just like frustrating and annoying. Even with my own special, you know, when I have my special on HBO, even though I'm working with Jesse Collins and I love Jesse Collins, like I'm still having to go through like channels, you know, to like get things approved, not necessarily the content, but just like the stage and like, can we do it at this venue? I don't know. You know, like there's even with the marketing, I remember they were trying to market my special. Like it was like a, you know, a bonus episode of Insecure, you know? And I was like, cut it out. Like I know that I'm on the show and I'm a black woman, but like, can we, can it have its own uniqueness to it? So, I mean, the original stuff, guys, was just like, come on. So it was really great to step into this independent space in the middle of the strike. Well, it wasn't in the middle of the strike at the time, but while in the strike, you know, to be in this independent space, because it let me know how necessary it was, not just something that I'm doing because it's like the only option. And it's like, no, this is a great option. And this is what's going to have to happen if these motherfuckers don't get it together on the other side of the table. We're going to have to continue to find ways to work independently. We're going to have to learn how to work together because I think a lot of times what happens, y'all, is that when you work with smaller production companies and groups, you still want to hold them to the same level of expectations as these studios. And it's like, well, we don't even have the same resources, but we also don't have the same intentions as them. Right. So it's like, how can we come to the table with a different level of interacting with each other than you would if you were at a studio? So those are the types of things that like come through your mind. But in this project and in Amanda, we trust it really was like, okay, we're going to get this going and we got it going. My original intention was like, I need to prove myself. Now the intention is I just need to make something dope. So we head to DC. Actually, before we go to DC, we were able to work with a couple writers. I was able to work with Andrea Allen and Rita Brent and Jeremiah and James. And we crafted, you know, just some bullet points for when we got out there and, you know, how we want to make sure that we hit it from top 
to bottom in each scene. So there was no formal script written, but it was still, we need to make sure that we get these things because it matters to the way that the project is going to flow. So when we got there to D.C., the morning of me going to D.C., it dawned on me that I should be in a Shirley Chisholm shirt for some part of this. Because when I created the artwork for the special, I based it on an original poster of Shirley Chisholm's when she was running for office on Bought and Unbossed in 72. So I thought, oh my gosh, this is a long shot, but let me just throw this out there. So I went on Instagram and I said, if anybody in D.C. can get me a Shirley Chisholm shirt, you know, let me know. Y'all, three different people brought me Shirley Chisholm shirts. And by the way, that's just the three people that actually were able to. Like some people were like, I have it, but you know, um, I can only get there at this time. And like, we needed it before that. One girl was like, I will drive from Alexandria. I was like, ma'am, please do not. She's like, no, it's a nice drive. I'm like, dude, I cannot allow you to drive three hours for me to wear a shirt. I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So again, another shout out and thank you to the people who made it their business to bring me the Shirley Chisholm shirts because that was so special. And it actually, again, added a little extra sprinkling of thoughtfulness to what we were doing. So anywho, you know, we shot in D.C. and I will tell you this. When you go to shoot, you always know that the goal is to get out of there with at least what you need. Okay, Again, remember I told you before, you never know how things going to go. The other key for me in production is really committing to the fact. And I say fact because Jeremiah learned this in real time. That whatever switches, changes, unsuspecting things happen in production, they're all supposed to happen. When you have that mindset, you are in a constant lemonade-making scenario. And so you never really get tripped up with like the, damn, I was trying to do X, Y, Z. It kind of like forces you to be like in an abundance mindset and it changes the scenario. So we were able to think in that way. We were able to be very like, flowy and natural in just how we moved with the way things needed to be. And I think it was also very interesting that we really didn't know what was coming around the corner when we got to DC because we knew we only had two days to shoot and we had done our best to set things up, but our line producer wasn't going to be our person on the ground. So we really just had to like be on it. The first day we shot the intro which is me talking to the camera, me getting the texts. Then we decided, like, I think it's like spur of the moment. It was like, let's have Reg call. Reg Thomas just happens to be available wherever he's at in the world and like calls and like has like this fake conversation with me. Then we had to go and do the man on the street stuff. Man on the street is one of the most precarious <laughs> things that you can sign up for because you really never know what you're going to get. And I don't know what prayers were said the night before this shoot by anybody else on the shoot. But when I tell you we was delivered, okay? Because every single person that we interviewed was awesome. We didn't throw away any interviews, y'all. Every single person we interviewed is featured in this project. That's crazy. 
That's unheard of, actually. And it was because, like, everybody was not only charismatic, oddly enough, but they seemed to really care about what they were talking about. And I guess they really seemed to care about talking to me as well. And you could feel it through the lens. Like, it was just a very surprising, uh, happy turn of events that everyone was just going to kill it. Now, mind you, while we're standing there, Jeremiah is like, of course, uh, wrangling folks. And he's prepping this one person. And she's like, you know, you're my cousin, right? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she's like, yeah, yeah your, your mom, mom just posted a picture of you and Amanda because we were in Atlanta the day before. She's like, your mom just posted a picture of you and Amanda at the house. And it was on my Facebook. Y'all, the teacher that is talking to me about Florida just randomly is Jeremiah's cousin and was like naming aunties and uncles. She's vetted anointed. I cannot tell y'all like these things happening. They really make you be like, okay, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. Next day. Boom. Paul Wharton. We get to the store and the owner had originally said that, you know, he didn't know if he was going to come. He's not going to be there. Like he was completely like helpful to us and supportive of us, like using his store, but he just really didn't know if he was going to be a part of this. He said, he must have woke up that morning like, who am I kidding? Your man's Everard was there, baby, in the suit, ready to hit it. So he comes through and he's there with his wife, Jen. And then Paul shows up and Paul just makes everything better. So we're shooting and we did the first scene downstairs, like talking about it. And then when we went upstairs, I was like, you know, we got to do it again. Because I realized that basically me and Paul had shot it like we were doing Queer Eye. It was very, it was very not mockumentary and very reality. Yeah, yeah. Very reality TV. And so we had to go back and do it again. And we got it. We got it the second time around. The second time around. Working with Paul was incredible because he is so malleable and just so willing and free and open. He's also just very focused and clear. And like those two things don't under like they don't undermine each other. You know, he was really just excited about what we were doing. I was excited about what we were doing. And it just felt like we could really um just set into the scene. We didn't have a script. We're improving that whole thing. Everything you're seeing is improv. Like, of course we know, okay, I'm going to wear this outfit. We know that we're going to talk about this outfit, but what you're seeing is completely us talking off the dome and just vibing, honey, just vibing, vibe, 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 vibe. Even when like that car went off, the car alarm went off. Like that's just me of all reacting. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And like, I also, I got to tell y'all, like, it was doing this that I also realized that I've also elevated, like, in my performance capabilities. 
I've been doing this since I was eight years old. So I didn't even know that I could like expand or like improve. But I think from being just sitting around by myself for quite some time now, it allowed me the opportunity to kind of just get to know myself better. And so now being on screen, I know myself better. And so it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning, where it's like, this is the first time I was doing a project where I actually like knew what I was doing. And now I also feel like that extended to like my actual skill set as a performer. Like I know myself so well that I'm not like reaching for something to give to the people. Like it's already kind of on the, it's already on the surface and there. And that felt so comforting. And I feel like it also allowed for the man on the street conversations to flow the way they did, as well as Paul, as well as the next group, which was when we sat down with Ilhan Omar and Jamal Bowman. Thank goodness we didn't have the whole squad because we don't have enough cameras for all of that. Also, by the way, the Cannon Building, we, me and Jeremiah walk in, like we're thinking like this is going to be super duper top flight security of the world, Craig. And they're like, we go through security and they're like, uh, do y'all know where we're going? We're like, oh, we're waiting for like our escort. They're like, oh, because I mean, we can like just show you where it is. And we're like, no, it's fine. We were afraid. Nonetheless, we get up there and Jamal Bowman's staff, so welcoming, so nice. Also just like so aware that his office is completely a barren wasteland. And so allowed us to move things around and create a more appealing aesthetic. Ilhan Omar, did y'all know she was that funny? I, y'all. I did not know Ilhan Omar had the jokes. I definitely thought Jamal was going to be the one with the jokes and then Ilhan was going to be like the solid, like the the more serious one. It actually ended up being reversed. Jamal is silly, but he's serious. Ilhan is a whole comedian, okay? okay. And we have like t- outtakes of Ilhan being even funnier. I got to figure out where those going to go. You know where those are going to go? You're going to see all the outtakes on Patreon. So you can follow at theamandaverse.com to get all the outtakes from In Amanda We Trust because we are definitely going to make sure that the Patreon folks feel good about it. So it was just a very like wild moment those two days because we knew we only had these opportunities to get it done. And it got done, y'all. And then some. And I kept saying, man, even if we don't do the stand-up, we got everything we need. We got everything we need. Well, when we got back to L.A., uh, we started looking through the footage. And my editor was looking through the footage. And, like, his computer wasn't working. And then there was, like, a whole thing with the drive. Long story short, my editor ended up being like, I just, I'm not going to be able to edit it. Yeah. I just remember sitting in the car outside the... <laughs> the manicure spot, like, what, what, what's happening? What's happening? But then I remembered everything in productions happens the way it's supposed to when these types of things happen. So my ex was like, oh, you should call Kev on stage. And I was like, oh, I guess that would be a good idea. Sure enough, Kev on stage to the rescue. I called Kev on stage. He was like, oh, I got an editor for you. I got an editor for you immediately. Yeah. So... I speak to this editor and we hit it off and he's like, I got you. Let's knock it out. Two days later, I'm looking at the stand-up footage. I'm looking at the actual footage of the interstitials. And y'all, again, with the intuition pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. I'm just like, I don't think we should use the stand-up. So I was racking my brain with the stand-up because I had done 90 minutes and I wanted to condense it to 60 minutes. So that meant I had to choose jokes 
that I wanted to use and choose jokes I wanted to throw away. What this also meant, though, was that the reality is there are jokes in here that even though if they're funny, I have developed them beyond this because this is from May. No, this is from like June 2022. And I was on tour for five more months after that. So there were jokes in there that were like, Solid jokes. But it was like, yeah, but I could do them jokes so much better now. I've advanced them. They've developed. And I just didn't feel like it was fair to like give them to y'all in such a infancy state. Well, I thought about it. Then I'm telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah looking like me, I'm cr- looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, what do you mean we're taking out the stand up? Then I call James. I run it down for James. He's like, okay. He asked me a couple questions. I was able to answer the questions. And he was like, I, I see it. it. Let's do it. And that's how we ended up with an unapologetic political comedy documentary. Because ultimately, I listened to my intuition. And my intuition took me on this ride. My intuition said to me, this is where we need to go with this. And I think that was something that I wasn't, I wasn't as committed to listening to that as I had ever been before. And... In that, we realized, like, this is actually something, a different kind of genre, because I've only seen this done where someone is playing, like, a character like Borat, right? I've never seen this done to this extent, or, like, where someone is an actual documentarian like Michael Moore. This is kind of, like, Daily Show-esque, you know, with some boosting to it, and I really am excited that you guys finally get to see this You know, there's been other flows and changes and steps that were going on within the process of production that really required a lot of teamwork and dream work. I remember me, James and Jeremiah sitting on a call for like five hours one day, just ideating around where we wanted to make shifts in the footage, how we wanted to piece things together, you know, what we wanted to do with the music, etc. And that was one of the most fun calls like I think I've ever had because it was like we were literally creating in the real moment and knowing that we can do whatever we are saying we're going to do. Like there isn't going to be a next step after this where I have to get it approved. We can just do it. You know, shout out to the Smartphone and Black production team because my coordinator, Jana, it was her idea to say, well, what if we like make people think you're running for office before we actually say what we're doing? I know y'all thought I was running for office, but also like how crazy is it though that the political climate is so wonky McWonky now that none of y'all were truly even surprised if I did say I wanted to run for office, let alone the president. Like really though, as after Donald Trump, you're just like, I mean, why can't Amanda run? At least she can read. So then, you know, it's the project of, all right, I made this. I hope people will buy it. Originally, I thought, well, maybe I'll sell it for $5. And I got to tell y'all, I was thinking that because it was like I wanted it to be affordable. I want people to be able to like it. But the reason why it ended up being 15 is because I have to put value to my work. It means something. And I think that, unfortunately, the way capitalism is set up is that people don't put value to your work if you don't put value to your work first. And unfortunately, because of capitalism, that becomes cost. So I decided I would make this the cost of a movie. You know, if you're, you can go see a movie, it's the same cost. And it has greater gains in the fact that, like, you're not paying this into some rich white man's pocket so that he can continue to watch the Buffalo Roam on his ranch in Wyoming. You're paying it to Amanda Seals. The other thing that you're investing in is just, like, the value of edutainment. You know, like, it meant something to me that we make something that has actual like intrinsic value beyond just humor. 
I wanted something that would show folks just more insight into the value of being civically informed, of being civically involved. I also wanted to show black people who are civically informed and civically involved with Representative Bowman and Representative Omar. I wanted to demonstrate, you know, this is what public servants look like versus politicians, right? And it's like, I can spin my wheels and talk about this all day long on the Amanda Seals show right here on Small Doses on my Instagram. But I wanted to be able to like really like, ta-da, it for folks in a way that doesn't feel like I'm trying to beat you in the head like a Dead Prez album. So I think it was very... I know that it was just by serendipity that we ended up making the interstitials, the actual project, but I feel so good because that ended up being way more valuable than just me telling the jokes. Now, of course, we snuck some jokes in there because you can hear the jokes going down during the transitions. And, you know, of course, you know, at the end, being able to, you know, what I can't even tell y'all that. I can't even tell y'all that because you know what? You got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to go to inamandawetrust.com to see the full hilt of things. Now, I told y'all about James Bland being my brother, also the director of this project. And you know what? I just felt like I can't talk about this without talking with James Bland. So if you want to see a special uh, bonus content interview with me and James Bland about this process, about In Amanda We Trust, uh, make sure that you go to the Amandaverse because that's where you're going to get it. And it's going to be good. The Last Dose. I hope that when you do watch this, you leave with a couple of these takeaways. I hope you leave one saying, you know what? I need to make sure that I vote and I need to actually get a bit more informed about this government that's running my life. Because I, especially if you're a black person in this country, if you think that the government is not running your life and therefore you don't need to be involved, or maybe you know that the government is running your life, but you think you're having some personal protest by not being involved, honey child, you are lying to yourselves more than they're lying to you. And as you heard Jabal Bowman say in the special, they are lying to you. Second, I hope that you leave this uh, laughing. You know, I hope that you got joy. I hope that you were able to like glean humor through this whole special, through this process, because that was the thing. It's like, okay, I could do this from a very serious political point of view, but that wouldn't make it an Amanda Seals project, baby. And that was the thing also, it's like making this happen in a way that is natural to, to what I do. Third thing I hope you take away from this is that when you support independent projects, it feels good to you. I hope it feels good to you to know that you supported an independent project that came from the mindset of art, that came from the mindset of social justice and responsibility, and that came from simply the mindset of wanting to make something in spite of those not wanting to give you a yes. You got to create your own yeses. So this In Amanda We Trust project, is, it's happening. It's, it's been given to you all, the people. For any extra content, make sure you go to my Patreon, theamandaverse.com. We'll also be posting extra content here. You can check out the Amanda on the Move episode where you're going to get to see behind the scenes of how this process went down, not just hearing me talk about it, but actually seeing it. You're also going to get an extended interview with Jamal Bowman because we did a whole interview where I quizzed him on his knowledge of government. Okay. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who helped make this project happen. It doesn't ever happen by yourself. You may have the idea by yourself, but the coming to fruition is going to require a whole bunch of moving pieces. And I was very fortunate that in the moving pieces of this project, everybody knew the choreo. Okay. There was not one person that went left when we were supposed to go right. 
Okay, maybe one, but I ain't going to say his name. But Jeremiah know who I'm talking about. All right, y'all. So make sure you go to InAmandaWeTrust.com and uh, let me know what you think. Seals the deal. <laughs> 